0: Hi everyone, I'm Dr. AnimAction, and welcome to part 4 of my series covering the year-by-year evolution of U.S. cartoons, the animated 80s. On a side note, I'd like to encourage you all to check me out on Instagram, too, where I've started a series called Tune of the Week. Each week I'll be focusing on a particular show and providing some in-depth info about it over the course of several posts. And lastly, if you love 80s cartoons, make sure to like and subscribe. Now let's get on with it, shall we? A quick recap of what observations I made about 1982. Um, Pac-Man. That was about it. Pac-Man came out and opened animation up to be a secondary medium for video games. The rest of the year got a really big, meh. Guess that makes this section really easy. This series so far has kind of been like riding a roller coaster. 1980 was that first lurching jolt as the cars start to move. Not too exciting, but good enough to get the adrenaline going. 1981 was that quick run out of the gatehouse where you get that little taste of speed, but things haven't quite gotten too wild yet. 1982, well, that's the climb up the first hill. It's the lame part of the ride where you just listen to the chain clanking and anticipate the next step. Well, it's time to get to that next step, the first big drop on this thrill ride. It's time to look at 1983. So as I've been doing, let's start this year by seeing what was still holding on from the previous ones. First of all, there were still a few shows from 1980 or earlier that were on the air this year. The all-new Popeye Hour, Super Friends, Hanna-Barbera's World of Super Adventure, The Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Show, and Fat Albert were all still going strong through most of the year. From 81, we still had Spider-Man and his amazing friends in the Smurfs, and a good portion of the 82 lineup was still holding on as well. The Incredible Hulk, Meatballs and Spaghetti, The Sylvester, Tweedy, Daffy, Speedy Show, The Mark and Mindy, Laverne, and Shirley Fawn's Hour, The Pac-Man, Little Rascals, Richie Rich Show, Shirt Tales, and The Flintstone Funnies managed to make it out of that pretty slow year. Spoiler alert, pretty much none of those make it any further. But anyway, what does that mean we lost? Well, from 1982, there were only four series that didn't continue into the new year. The Gary Coleman Show, Gilligan's Planet, Pandemonium, and the Scooby and Scrappy-Doo Puppy Hour all got cut before the calendar flipped. No real losses there, as none of those shows were that great to begin with, and Scooby would be back in a better form this year. But it's worth noting that they got the chop anyway. But enough about years past, though. It's the year moving forward that matters here. This year saw the release of 18 new series, which was a marked increase of about 33% for both 81 and 82. The lineup of new shows premiering during 1982 included The Biscuits, The Dukes, The New Scooby and Scrappy Doo Show, The Monchichi's Little Rascals Richie Rich Show, Saturday Supercade, Brain Games, The Charlie Brown and Snoopy Show, The Littles, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Donald Duck Presents, Good Morning Mickey, Rubik the Amazing Cube, and Inspector Gadget. Most significantly for this channel, though, it also saw the first releases of Mr. T, Dungeons and Dragons, Thunderbirds 2086, and both G.I. Joe and He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Talk about a heavy-hitting year. The first appearances of three icons of the 80s with Inspector Gadget, He-Man, and the modern version of G.I. Joe, the most recognizable versions of an older property in an Elven and the Chipmunks, and several changes in format and production. So let's talk about those for a minute. So one thing you'll probably notice is that Richie Rich remains the last holdout for that multi-bill format, with him and the Little Rascals getting a new partner in the form of the Monchi Cheese and holding on for another year. The rest are gone though, and pretty much every show from here forward will be standing on its own. You may also notice that the minis format is all but gone as well, with only Saturday Supercade here to keep it going. For a show like that I can understand it, as most of the concepts of the games it covered wouldn't really be ideal for sustaining their own series. Not yet at least. But the rest are gone. That's not to say that some shows weren't still skits, but they were skits within a single property rather than shorts from multiple series. That format would only reappear a couple more times throughout the decade. And speaking of shows with shorts from a single property, Disney released two of them this year, made up of various Disney shorts of all their classic characters. Another classic that got some new love this year came in the form of the Charlie Brown and Snoopy show, which told all new stories featuring Charles Schultz's peanut characters. Scooby and Scrappy were back with a new series this year, pairing them up with Shaggy and Daphne to solve cases, presumably while Fred and Velma had better things to do. Alvin and the Chipmunks were originally a fictitious singing group that first appeared in 1958, but this year they got an animated series following their adventures and hijinks, getting fleshed out with backstories, characterizations, a full supporting cast, and eventually, in this same year, counterparts in the form of the Chipettes. The Littles were also a transplant from other media, as it was based on a series of children's books by John Peterson that were first published in 1967, but it told new stories based on the original characters and expanded the cast significantly. Lastly, a live-action show that was both iconic enough and featured stories and situations better suited to an anime series than some of the others that we've covered in previous years got released as The Dukes, and it told the story of the boys and Daisy racing Boss Hog and Roscoe around the world, for some reason. I may not support some of the iconography in the show, but if someone could just paint the roof of the General Lee and maybe change the name to keep it away from more controversy, the stories would be just as entertaining today. We got a decent number of shows this year that weren't based on any existing properties as well. The Biscuits were a group of Smurf-like characters, but rather than little blue humanoids, they were anthropomorphic dogs. Story-wise, well, let's just say some similarities existed between the two and leave it there. Brain Games introduced the world to an animated, interactive game show that challenged viewers to think and solve puzzles throughout its short six-episode run. Mr. T got an animated series, probably thanks to his popularity from roles like Clubber Lang in Rocky 3 and B.A. Barakas on the A-Team, which had just premiered in January of 83 itself. And oddly enough, the show put the title character in the position of coaching a gymnastics team that constantly gets caught up in one adventure or another. I'm not sure what would qualify Mr. T to coach gymnastics instead of something like wrestling or football, but there you have it. Definitely watch the show if you want to see a mini Mr. T impersonator or a bulldog with a mohawk. The aforementioned Saturday Supercade took a handful of popular video games from the time, which were obviously famous for their in-depth storytelling, and made them into a series of shorts. Frogger, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong junior Qbert, and Pitfall all got a slice of the action here, and eventually Kangaroo and Space Ace as well. And finally, we see the U.S. adopting two more properties from Japan and fitting them to an American audience. The Manchichis, which were aired with Richie Rich and Little Rascals, were a community of anthropomorphized monkeys based on a line of Japanese toys in a subsequent animated series over there called Manchichi Twins, though the U.S. version was only based on that rather than redubbed and rerun. What was redubbed, though, was Thunderbirds 2086, which was redubbed from the 1982 anime Scientific Rescue Team Techno Voyager, or techno voyager, depending on where you look. And then it had the structure of the older Super Nation shows Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet slapped onto it in an attempt to make it resonate more with American kids, or something like that. I'm not really clear why they did that. I guess it was kind of a tribute show to Thunderbirds in the first place, but I don't know. So as fans of 80s cartoons, we've all heard it said, we've all had our favorite shows accused of it, and this is the year that it started. This is where the first of the, quote, 30-minute toy commercials, unquote, came out. The biggest perpetrators of this crime for the year were obviously He-Man and G.I. Joe, but shows like Dungeons & Dragons and Rubik the Amazing Cube did their part to sell some books and puzzles as well. Personally, I hate the idea that they were nothing more than toy commercials in execution, even if that may be what they were in concept. I prefer to think of these series as more like multimedia properties, with the second media being Imagination. I mean, in 1983, G.I. Joe only ran for five episodes over the course of a single week, telling an essentially feature-length story in the five-part Mass Device miniseries. Did those five episodes sell toys? Probably. But the toy line first came out in 1982, so I'm sure there were plenty of kids that already had them. I don't think it was a matter of the chicken and the egg for these shows. Instead, I think it was a chance for kids to see what kind of characters their toys were and give them some parameters for their own playtime scenarios. To me, the bottom line was that if you make cool toys, I'll want them without a cartoon. But if you make a cartoon for the toys I already have, I'll watch it to help my mind build the world those toys operate in. And Dungeons & Dragons? Well, it showed us all that a game that primarily used imagination as its main play mechanic really had no limits by making the world in the books a real, tangible place on screen. Regardless of how you perceive or interpret it, in the end I'm just happy that we got so many great cartoons out of it. And this was where they started. Although, I will admit that the Rubik's show may have oversold the toys' capabilities somewhat. 1983 brought us one other thing that I absolutely have to mention. On April 18th of this year, the Disney Channel was born as a premium channel, joining the ranks at the time of HBO and Showtime. Mostly at launch, the Disney Channel was family programming oriented, but during this time it also ran Good Morning Mickey and Donald Duck Presents, with Mickey premiering at the channel's launch and Donald following in September. I like to think that it was because of this that other premium channels also decided that animation would be a viable programming option for them, as HBO created and aired Brain Games this year, as well as the puppet version of Fraggle Rock, and Showtime took on Thunderbirds 2086. Regardless of whether that's the case or not, this was the year that channels besides the big three networks started to put animation into their programming schedules, which meant more cartoons and more places to watch. And it would only grow from here as more channels came online over the next decade. Side note, my family never had any premium channels, and I never realized until making this video that Nickelodeon started as one, and has been around since 1979, where it spent five years as Nickelodeon, the young people's satellite network. That kind of blew my mind, although looking through their historical programming, I don't really see any cartoons from before it dropped the premium model, so hopefully that excuses me. And we're off! To me, this is where the true 80s started, especially, but not only, in terms of animation. Several of the other best things the 80s had to offer came out this year as well. Movies like Strange Brew, Valley Girl, Videodrome, Trading Places, The Right Stuff, National Lampoon's Vacation, Monty Python's Meaning of Life, Lone Wolf McQuaid, The Day After, Blue Thunder, and A Christmas Story, which were all seminal 80s films, all came out this year. Quintessentially 80s bands like Bon Jovi, Cinderella, Striper, Trickster, Autograph, The Fat Boys, Ellie Guns, and Poison were all formed this year, as well as a bunch of bands that are still going strong today, like Megadeth, Fish, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Existing bands released albums like Def Leppard's Pyromania, Quiet Riot's Mental Health, CZ Top's Eliminator, Hanoi Rock's Back to Mystery City, Metallica's Kill 'Em All, RAT's self-titled album. Dawkins, Breaking the Chains, and Motley Crue Shout of the Devil. We also got debut albums from 80s and 90s mainstays like Cyndi Lauper, Madonna, R.E.M., and Pantera during this year. And did you guys realize Pantera started kind of as a glam metal band? That was really weird. The U.S. sent its first female astronaut into space. Martin Luther King Jr. Day became a national holiday. GPS became available to the public. David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear on nationwide TV. Star Wars became a reality. Mario Brothers was released in arcades, M.A.S.H. ended, K.I.S.S. appeared without their makeup, Return of the Jedi topped box offices, and Every Breath You Take topped music charts. And that's just scratching the surface. This was one solid year of milestones and events that quantified the 80s, and it was definitely no different for animation. So as I've done with all the other videos in this series, I want to do a rundown for you all of where and how you can watch these shows as of May 2023. We'll start with the bad news and go through the shows that have never really gotten a release. Rubik the Amazing Cube, Thunderbirds 2086, Brain Games, and all of Saturday Supercade other than q have never had anything other than maybe a couple of episodes released on VHS way back in the day. A few shows are available to stream, including Inspector Gadget and the Littles on Pluto TV, and the new Scooby and Scrappy Doo show on Boomerang with a subscription, but the best news from this year is that everything else, or at least parts of everything else, are available on in-print DVDs. The Biscuits, The Dukes, Monchichis, q The Charlie Brown and Snoopy Show, Dungeons and Dragons, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Mr. T, G.I. Joe A Real American Hero, and Elvin and the Chipmunks can all be picked up either piecemeal or complete. But that's it for 1983. Definitely a step up from what we got in 82, and potentially a tough act to follow. I'm curious what you guys think about my assertion that this is where the true 80s started though. Exciting as this year was, are we going to have any that top it as we continue forward? Come back next week and we'll see what 1984 can do. Thanks for watching, and I'll catch you all in 1984. Stay tuned and stay tuned. As in cartoons. Later.